Warning, this current Midnight Movies Confessionals review of the movie Fast 10 that is out now in theaters as this as of this recording is going to contain spoilers. Now, if you do not want to hear everything for the sport, for everything that's going to happen, I would say fast forward a little bit, maybe towards near the end, you will hear my review, my ranking on this film and if you should go see it. The main review will start in three, two, one. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Midnight Movie Professionals. I'm your host, Scott. And as you probably just heard, I just got out of Fast 10. Fast X, or whatever you want to call it. This movie star is, is one heck of a all-star cast. It stars, as I'm looking at the... It is directed by Luis Leterrier, before I forget. It is, direct, is, is starring Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez... Chris Bridges, also known as Little Chris, John Cena, Tyrese Gibson, Natalie Emmanuel, Jordana Brewster, Soon Kang, Scott Eastwood, Daniela Melquar, McGuire, Alan Richon, Helen Mirren, Brie Larson, Rita Moreno, Jason Statham, Jason Moore, and Charlize Theron. It is out now, and as of this moment, I can definitely tell you. I was not disappointed, but I have to say for a movie that has become, like, if I'm honest, this movie was not what I expected coming in, but I kind of thought when I saw the trailers, I'm like, okay, they're going to rehash a little bit of Fast 9, they're going to do a little bit of Fast 5, and everything else. But this basically became what Fast 6 was, and in a sense, like, it kind of brought in the end, like, the mid credit scene from fast like from F from Fast Nine, the fat like F Nine the Fast Saga, which don't get me wrong, not bad, but it's kind of annoying. So let's get into the story, shall we? Now it starts back in Fast Five, so that's around ten years ago in the movie's timeline, when in reality it was about thirteen years ago. But anyways, that's not a big deal when it happened. But anyways, it starts near the finale of Fast Five, where Hernan Reyes and his son are talking about starting a new deal that's going to bring us to the path that we want to be on. This, that, and the other thing. We got a bunch of other bullshit. And then we see Dominic and Brian are uh, stealing the vault of all the money that Reyes and the rest of his goons have uh, amassed, more or less, in his vault at the Brazilian State Police like building. So they are finding a way to go after them, which they had done so, and it gets to the climactic part where basically Dom sacrifices himself to save everyone, which he does gracefully, and also... And then after the whole scene happens, we see Reyes' son, Dante, played by Jason Momoa, fall into the river in Rio de Janeiro. I don't know what the exact uh, name of the river is. I don't want to say it out loud and find myself wrong. But after that, it jumps to a wonderful homage, in my opinion, homage to the very beginning of the movie, to the very first movie, the first Fast and the Furious, which... 
I thought it was a nice salute. We find, our, find ourselves back at Dodger Stadium, but this time this is with uh, Lil B and Dominic, played by Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto, the legend himself, Dominic Toretto, the some bitch that could not be arrested in every single film he's been in, whether it was in Tokyo Drift, which he was in at the end, or it was in the first Fast and Furious, or in Fast and Furious, where technically he was arrested in that one, but he escaped custody, and then you get into Fast Five, he was never arrested in Six, never in Seven, like, or even Eight, or Nine, like, he's never really been in prison since, like, the first time he went to Wompok. Anyways, he and uh, Lil B are driving around having fun around Dodger Stadium, and they're just kind of learning how to, like, uh, Dominic's teaching him how to drive at a young age, which was so sweet. It was nice to see. But as we're seeing this happen, uh, we're seeing a lot of other developments happen as well. They basically head to head home afterwards to see everyone, even Rome, Hedge, everyone all hanging out, having like having a good dinner together, a good barbecue. And what else happens? Oh yeah, they drink Corona like every other time that Vin Diesel's been in this franchise. But that's not a big deal. What is a big deal or morons? Anyways, I'll start with them time. Anyways, they're talking and this that and the other thing. Apparently, uh, Rome has found himself being able to be the leader of some sort of or- like organized mission in Rome, Italy, which we learn as it progresses, is actually a setup by Dante, played by Jason Momoa, who has found a way to, besides ruin everything that Mr. Nobody's assistant, played by Scott Eastwood, little nobody, by the way, and Mr. Nobody's daughter, who's played by Brie Larson, He's basically framed, with the help of Dante, he's framed Rome, Tej, Ramsey, and even Han for this domestic terrorist attack that is a setup that even Letty and Dom race to have, like, not happen. Like, will not have, have it become a terrorist attack. They race to actually save them from getting into trouble, which they... Sadly, not have happened properly, alas. But uh, little B is hanging out with Mia. They're having fun. He basically, she's taking care of them, and knowing that everything that's happening is because they were hacked by Dante. Uh, Mia takes little B to go hang out with him, or whatever, stay at the house for a little bit while everything else is going on, because. Letty and Dom have to intervene on the job. And what happens really in Rome is that they get attacked by Dante, whom actually makes it so they transport a ex- extremely explosive device in Italy in Italy towards the Vatican, which Letty, Dom, and everyone else that was involved saved to a good point, but there's so much collateral damage. There's several people that are, several civilians killed. 
And this is just part of uh, Dante's epic scheme to get at Dominic because everything that ever happened between Fast 5 and Fast 10 has been leading up to this for him. And meanwhile, after a lady finds herself getting arrested and being taken to a black site, because also I forgot to mention, this is also what also happened. There's an also uninvited guest that also mentions that Rome is a setup. And it is, lo and behold, Cypher, played by Charlize Theron, who, by the way, was driving a very gorgeous DeLorean concept EV, if I recall correctly, because this is not the real EV. It might be the real DeLorean. I don't know. But if it is, they got their hands on a really good-looking car. And I'll definitely say I'm glad to see some car racing back in the movie again. But I'll also say I'm glad to see that Jason Momoa is driving my favorite Braddock car, the Plymouth Roadrunner, it seems, as well as what else he's driving. I know he's driving a few others. But I know when I saw them, I'm like, oh, yes. I was like, finally, we're going back to street racing a little bit. But... We are sadly not going back to street racing. We are kind of, but not really. And that's what really bugs me the most. But anyways, that's beside the fact. What's there and what isn't there is all... Ooh. As we were listening to this podcast, I just saw a Destiny 280 passing by, and it was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But anyways, I wish that was one of the vehicles. That I, I actually did see one in the movie as well. Anyways. We also find out Elena also had a, a sister who was in Rio de Janeiro as well for a while. And we run into her because Dominic goes to Brazil after the job goes wrong and tries to more or less kind of hunker down and try and go underground and try and save everyone because it's his responsibility to help pretty much rescue everybody again like he normally does. But at the same time, he's not able to do that because he's kind of stuck in a situation that he has no control over. And anyways, it's just one of those things that's, that happens. It's just, it happens and he's unable to control it. I also could say that a lot of the parts in this movie were amazing to see. There's a lot of good montages. Well, not really montages, they're good homage pieces. To Brian O'Connor, which sadly, due to uh, Paul Walker's passing, I'm glad that they didn't try and bring him back from CGI or ask his brother Cody Walker to uh, fulfill any obligations. And I'm just like, I didn't want to see that in the movie. This that would have soured my thoughts on the movie completely if I saw that. I would, because I, I know for a fact he's dead, so you can't bring him back. I mean, you can in a sense with old, like, you can kind of bring it back in a sense of, like, reusing old scenes. That's fine. That's what they kind of did with some of the mo- like some of the parts in Rio and some of the photos it looked like, which was nice and good to see. But just trying to recreate anything with, bro- like with Paul Walker, his brother, and not his voice, or even using AI, no. Don't do that, Universal. Don't do that, Neil H. Moritz. Don't do that, Vin Diesel. Please, for the love of God, Paul Walker... For all that is holy for a lot of us, was a special, special, special person in our in all of our lives, and I don't want to see him have his legacy be ruined because you guys decided to do AI 
voice work or something. Or you try to bring them back. Don't. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. As uh, Charlize Theron, Cypher, is taken to a black site after she interrupts a little bit of a, whatever you want to call it, at the Toretto house. And she informs everyone that it was set up with Rome, Italy, and Dom, and all that. Trying to save everyone. Lady also finds herself meeting Mr. Nobody's daughter, played by Brie Larson, who helps her get into the hospital area of this black site that she's been taken to. That seems to be somewhere dark. I'm not too certain on where exactly, but we'll find out in a little bit when I talk about it. Anyways, as that is happening, Rome has found a way to take everyone into London and try to more or less try to rearrange something to meet up with Dominic in a rendezvous point where if everything went wrong, this is where they could all meet and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Right now, they're in London by themselves, but Han has an idea of what he could be doing. He doesn't reveal to everyone just yet, but Ramsey also has a contact. But what's funny is since they don't have any money because Dante found a way to hack everything and take the money, a way to hire these mercenaries that basically erase everyone off the planet, Roman has actually been kind of keeping his cash very close to the chest, literally. He unzips his jacket to just pretty much show a, just a barrage of cash. And I'm like, you motherfucker. You are one crazy son of a bitch that way. Rome, who's also, by the way, played by Tyrese Gibson's. If not many people knew that. Tyrese is played by Chris Bridges, also known as Little Chris. And Soon King plays Han. If anyone didn't know that either. But if you know your way around the, the franchise, you probably already did know that. To, for the most part. If you didn't, I don't blame you. Anyways, I will definitely say, this film is definitely one if you are a fan of cartoons. This is definitely for you, right off the bat. More or less, everything that's happened is just crazy. Like, uh, like uh, more or less, Uh, what am I trying to say? But basically, like, they run into the dumbest piece of shit who's running a coffee shop of sorts and also runs Black Marker Arms stuff. I don't remember the name of him exactly, but he's played, like, like I'm just going to call him Ramsey's friend. So the friend of Ramsey shows up, and he's played by Pete. I can't believe he's still doing shit Davidson. The one that's dating Kim Kardashian still, I think. I could be wrong. But I'm sorry for swearing, or I'm sorry for being angry about Pete Davidson, but I just don't find him funny. I don't find him entertaining at all. So I'm sorry if I'm upsetting someone out there. Anyways, I can't do much about that. I just know what I'm doing is what I'm doing, more or less. I'm just walking the beat, in a sense. But anyways... As this uh, ordeal happens, we find ourselves seeing them try to track down someone else that could help them, which seems to be Deckard Shaw. And he's played by Jason Statham. 
we also jump back to L.A. when some folks raid the Toretto house, try to take down Mia, whom seems to tell like to tell little B to hide who who does who does, but lo and behold, Dominic's brother, played by John Cena himself, Jacob Toretto, shows up to save him, as well as Mia, and take him to like take him to the rendezvous, take little B to the rendezvous point. And I'm glad he does, because he brings his old uh, Mustang back, the the one from the 90s that he loved. We bought that when he was 13 years old, and just hearing him play the age, the cassettes is just... <laughs> it was too funny going to the old cassette, like, cassette mixtapes. I was just like, oh, I had, a, I had a good chuckle. As a millennial, that gave me a good chuckle, because I have played with, like, I used to... Drive like my mom used to drive around with people that had cassettes in their cars and all that, and I played around with the cassette player a couple times, and all that good stuff like old car stereos like that. So it's it's funny to see that for cassette decks, you know. But as I, as the movie progresses, we also see more and more of the situation happening. We also see another situation happening with uh, Deckard Shaw and the rest of the crew in London, where more goons show up and try to kill them all and race them, like basically race them off the map but they all get out of there with the help of Deckard Shaw and they decide to leave where they need to leave to head to the rendezvous point with Deckard Shaw helping out the team which was nice to see and um, what else happens if I remember right off the bat but anyways while that's happening, uh, Cypher and Letty get into a bit of a scuffle while in this hospital together at this black site, and they try to escape, and they find out that they are in, I can't believe it, they are in Antarctica. So they try to find a way to get out of there pretty like, swiftly and easily, but it is not going to be an easy way, it's not going to be an easy task, but at the same time, when is anything easy with this franchise at all? Like, I've never, ever found anything that easy to see at all, let alone find in this franchise. I've never seen it be easy for these folk at all. I've never found it funny, let alone easy to see these guys just do what they do. So, I mean, heck, we only see, like, a few people show up, and it's, like, just the fact that like Deckard Shaw shows up to help everyone with this, and we also see like Jacob show up as well. Everyone else, and it's just like I'm just happy to see a lot of people show up. And a fact is that like a lot of the folks that do show up are just like, wow, it just it didn't I didn't expect to see it. Heck, we even see Helen Mirren as uh, Queenie Shaw show up. At one point, and just the fact that she shows up really quickly was really nice to see. She was only in here for a little bit of a cameo of sorts, but you know what? That's okay. I didn't mind that. It was all right to see that, if I'm honest. It was quite the interesting thing to see. But I know there's a few people that were meant to kind of show up, but 
I did not really see them really show up, really. And that kind of bugs me a little bit. But you know what? That's okay. I know right now, as I'm reading, as I'm reading this article about Fast 10, I know the 11th film is going to be released two years from now. And apparently earlier this month, he said, during the film's premiere, like Universal claimed, like they request, his claim that they requested the series extended to a three-part finale, thus extending the main series to 12 films. And that same month, Dwayne Johnson, known as The Rock, was eventually reprising his role as Luke Hobbs in the sequel, which was kind of surprising. I guess the beef between those two is kind of squashed. But I don't know for certain. But I do know that um, so far, this movie has been incredible to like kind of talk about and enjoy just mentioning overall. Um, what else happens in this film that I can also kind of dig into deeply? While they, while they are, while Cypher and Letty are escaping at like the black site, of uh, Jacob and Little B find some disguises to kind of get themselves out to the rendezvous point, which seems to be in Portugal, which is a bit of an odd place to be, but okay, works for me, I guess. If that's where you want to be, Dom. That's where you're going to be. So they find a way. They go through the plane. They go into the plane. They go on a plane to go to port. uh, Go and use the kayak that um, Jacob brought with him, which was actually not a a kayak at all. It was something else completely. It was quite an interesting uh, feature to see. And quite the interesting little technology gadget that he had because of the fact that, one, it was um, some sort of, like, it was almost like a, a razor blade, I think it was called, something like that. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was definitely a device that you don't normally see in a lot of movies or even in real life. But it was like a stealth, like a two-person stealth device, like flying device, sort of gadget in a sense. But at the same time, the way it's designed also makes sense because it's also used in a good possible, a good way overall. And as they go through it all, I also noticed that the crew are also getting themselves into more trouble. They also find themselves getting a plane to try and go after everything. But what's funny is when they get to the the rendezvous point, Little B and Jacob kind of share a nice little moment saying, hey, my dad was going to be here, right? Where is he? Like, they say, he'll be here. Don't worry. He'll be, he's going to be here for sure. Just see your way, buddy. Like, they do it in a, in a nice way. I'm like, aw. Like, it was sweet. Like, I actually, could, I could see the relationship doing well, but they also show off a little secret uh, thing that Jacob's been working on as a little side project for whenever things would go bad, which was one of the most incredible things I've seen in this franchise. Next to what I saw two years ago when we got the stupid, let's fly into space with a freaking Pontiac Fiero. Oh, I still cringe at that to this day. Like, that was more than jumping the shark. That was jumping the planet. Like, I get it. This is more or less made for middle school people. Like, middle school 
students in a sense, but I'm a fan of the franchise through and through, but I'll even admit I actually like cartoons, so this kind of works for me as well to kind of say I like the movie. But at the same time, I'm also kind of ticked off because this movie just did not at all provide a lot of, uh, it was more action and not a whole lot of story, but there was story mixed in there. Like there was a race in Rio de Janeiro. There's a lot of stuff going on in Rio where Dominic was being tracked by Dante and everyone else. So he finds a way to destroy everyone. I forgot to mention that little tidbit. But anyways, like I'm just trying to remember everything that I remember. After uh, the whole situation with that, they find themselves, they find out that the running boot point is no longer safe. Jacob and Little B decide to ride out. Well, ride out while uh, Mr. Nobody's replacement. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I know he's been involved in the majority of the film so far. Um, let me see. What his name was? It was, uh, what was his name? Ames, that was it. He's played by Alan Richson. Richson. And uh, he's the leader, he's the new leader of the agency that Mr. Nobody was working for. But anyways, he's the one that's apparently partnered with Dante, which, holy crap. Like, this is meant to be a two-parter finale, and this is starting to become almost like they're going to push it even further, which I hope they don't. But I know that this movie did well for what it was trying to provide. It also was interesting to see, nevertheless, what else they could provide in this film and just everything else they were trying to do because of the fact that, one, they're just doing so much in this film. Like, it's just crazy. It's fantastically crazy. But um, another thing that they did well in this film was the fact that Jason Momoa is really driving around in a car that is fantastic looking. And it's also being driven around, like he's driving around in some of the most amazing muscle cars you could think of on top of my head. Like it's just fantastic to see. But anyways, it's just also a good thing to see a lot of the stuff that I wanted to see for the longest time in this franchise. It goes back to street racing a little bit, which they kind of did. At the same time, they didn't, but I can kind of forgive them for that. I mean, the franchise was originally known for street racing for the first three films. Fourth film, a little bit, but not so much. But as time has gone on, they've kind of been more and more or less about the cars and more about the action, the guns, the ridiculousness. Like, it just gets more and more nuts. Like, this film has a climactic ending of sorts. Where it feels like it's just going to end completely, but it also kind of uh, does two things. It kind of ends with three kind of uh, what the heck is going to happen exactly, which kind of makes me kind of mad, but we're also kind of intrigued for the next one, which is going to be two years from now. But I will remember I'm going to be seeing that film. I'll see. I'll get my tickets for it again, like I did with this one. But I'll get it in advance, like I did with this one, if I can. But I also know that I. Uh, I'm excited for the next film, if it's going to be the finale, if it's going to be the last one they ever do for this franchise, which I hope they kind of do, because it's getting a little tiresome now.
But what else can I say about uh, Fast 10? The fact is that they also finish it off with uh, Jacob sacrificing himself to save Dominic and Lil B. I don't know if Jacob is going to return in Fast 11. If he does and he says like he survived that crash, I won't not believe it, but I'll kind of like, okay, I kind of figured that was going to happen because this franchise becomes so predictable. It is just too funny for words on how predictable it's becoming now. It's just... I can't believe it, man. Like, it's just become too ridiculous, folks. Like, for its own good. Like, there's just so many things that make it seem like a cartoon. But you know what? That's the good thing about the the Fast films now. It feels like they're a little too cartoony at times. But they have their moments, you know? And it makes sense at times. It's sometimes it's just... But that's what escapism is. You're, you're meant to just kind of like shut down your brain for a little bit. I can't always, but I was able to shut my brain off for a couple of hours and watch a good movie. That's how I can definitely say it about this film. But I will also mention the way it really ends is Don, like Don is able to save little B while Jacob distracts all the goons with his alchemina. He's modified to have torpedoes that he's been launching. And even Lil B was helping him do that too. But Dante found a way to grab him while he was helping fix the little car. Grabs him. Jacob says, you know what? I'm going to help you save him. He sacrifices himself for Dom to get Lil B and help him finish that driving lesson. He was going to like, finish with him. Which was just so... like I loved that. Like Just hearing him say that. And Dante saying, oh, I'm going to take everything from you. He didn't take everything. He didn't take away Dom's car, as Dominic Toretto has said in this film. And he drives down a dam, literally. like Because he finds himself in the middle of a dam with two semis loaded up with gasoline or some other explosive liquid that are about to crash into him. He drives down the dam. They crash into each other, blow up. And just he uses Nas like like it's freaking not even there like not even like he's not even pretending it's not there. He just literally hits a button, boom, Nas shoots out. He goes even further. Don and Little B survive this the crash from the car, and they swim out into the riverbed, wherever it is from the dam. But Dante has also has also has one little thing left. He has like, has explosives on that dam, so it looks like. What's going to happen next is we're going to find out how in the hell he survives that. We also see that uh, before it ends, we see Cypher and Letty meet up with Tess, little like uh, Mr. Nobody's daughter, played by Brie Larson, like I mentioned. I forgot her name, but I had to double check what her name was. I didn't. I just. I didn't want to say like Mr. Nobody's daughter. Anyways. She shows up to save them from Antarctica with a submarine, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the fate of the Furious a tiny bit with the whole um, submarine kind of cracking up, like cracking up from the, like, like coming up from the ice, which was kind of cool, but it was like, oh man, come on now. But anyways, this whole film feels like it was a, uh, a callback to the very first film which came out 22 years ago, 
it felt like it was a callback to Fast Five, which it was. A callback to six, seven, eight, as well as nine because of Cypher. And even a little bit of, like, even more so with five, six, seven with Elena, as well as eight as well because of Elena and her sister. Because her sister found a way to have all these blueprints. I did forget that the old uh, police station in Rio, that was also Dante's headquarters, apparently, that he set up for himself. And how did so Dom would know that this is him and like this, that, and the other thing? Yada, yada, yada. It was just like, oh my god. Now, am I disappointed by this film? Not really. Do I hate this film? No. Will I go see it again? Not in theaters. I wouldn't go see it again unless someone wanted to go see it with me. I'll go see it with them if they want to go see it. But I'm going to say, I like this film. It isn't as high of a score as the last one, which definitely, I feel it was a little biased, but I have to give Fast 10. I can't give you a 10. I'm sorry. You are not close to a 10. You are hovering around a 7. Why is the 10th film at a franchise that's running for real, like main franchise-wise, the 10th film in the main franchise of the Fast and the Furious series, Getting a seven instead of a ten. Well, one, it's part one of hopefully two, not three. And two, it is just, it's been 22 years and this still, this franchise is still going, which thank you that it didn't have the need to push out movies left, right, left, right, and center. Like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'll get to that one of these days. But, at least that didn't, like, it didn't feel like it needed to do that over the past 20 years. Which, I'm glad they didn't do that, you know? I like, if I had to rank all the fast films from 1 through 9, because I'm not going to count 10, because 10 just came out as of today. As you're hearing this. It might be, when you're hearing this, it might be already out of theaters, for all I know. It might be out on streaming services out there. I don't know. All I do know is that uh, this movie made me want to go to Echo Park in Los Angeles and actually visit the old cafe, get a tuna on white with no fucking crust. I'm sorry for the swearing, but it, it, folks. But it actually, everyone here that's listening to this podcast... It made me actually want to go get a tuna on white with no crust. I have not had, I have not said that in years, well not like that, but I haven't had a sandwich without crust for decades. I am 30 years old as of this recording and it's just like, how in the hell am I still watching these films, man? How in the hell do I keep on coming back to them? I keep on coming back to the first one. I keep on coming back to Too Fast and Furious, even Tokyo Drift. Fast four, five, I sometimes come back to. Six, I definitely do for sure. Seven, not so much. Eight, barely. Nine, I haven't really come back to really at all. I think I've come back to it maybe once, but I haven't really gone back to it in a long time. This one, I don't even know if I'll come back to, but if I need to watch it again for a refresher, maybe I will, but right now, I need a box set of the entire franchise when it's completed. All I do know is that I forgot to mention. There was one thing I forgot to mention in this whole series, or this whole thing, 
because I just already gave it a rating. But I should also mention, folks, if you if you decide to go watch this movie, stick around for the credits because there is a scene involving Luke Hobbs, the same man who is played by Dwayne Johnson, the same person that I remember saying he would not be in the franchise anymore. But he came back. I guess the beef between him and Vin Diesel has now been squashed. He's Even if he's in it for a small cameo, it looks like it's going to be building up for Fast 11, which I'm saying for the last time, hopefully, and I do mean this, hopefully, it was the last film that we get in this franchise for the main storyline. I don't want more. I'm okay with spinoffs or TV shows through Netflix or whatever. Like, I'm okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is constant, and I mean constant movies from this franchise. Please, end it with 11. If you do 12, make that an epilogue or something, please. I don't want to see another fast film in theaters that isn't a part of the main franchise after 11. If you have to push it to make 12 because Universal actually wants you to do that, Vin Diesel and crew, do so. That's fine. But I don't want to see any more that aren't worth my time. So the next one, that'll be out in 2025. I'm hoping I'll still be around and hopefully theaters will still be around for that. I'm hoping that I could still enjoy it overall and actually sit down and watch it with a good bit of popcorn or what have you, or a good snack. But honestly, the way things are going, I don't know. I honestly do not know. But this is the first time in a long time I've actually talked for well over a half an hour, folks. That's a surprise for me. But at the same time, I was kind of ranting and raving about this franchise. Now, if I was to go back in time and say, let's finish it off with seven, I would have said, let's finish it off with seven. Don't make more after that, after Brian. Well, after Paul Walker passed, I would have said, don't make another, like another set of films. Make like one more, but make it like the finale. You know, don't make more than that. Make spinoffs all day long. Go for that. But don't make more than you need to. But anyways. I do know one thing's for certain. This was a good film. It definitely had its moments of being uh, a little too much for me, but that's okay. I will also say that it ended with uh, Luke Hobbs, again, played by Dwayne Johnson, saying something to Dante about him being a some bitch, which every time I hear that in my every time I hear this, I think of Fate of the Furious, which was in the sense that this was a callback in the fact that Fate of the Furious because he uh, called, uh, what's his name? He said um, something about Deckard Shaw being a tea drinking, biscuit eating criminal, some bitch, which to this day still makes me laugh. <sighs> but, anyways, my final thoughts on this film. It was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't, oh my god, I'm going to go see this 20 different times. Quite the opposite. I might see this once or twice, and that's it. I'm not seeing it more than once in theaters. Forget that. But it was worth the money to see it in theaters. I just know this franchise needs to just 
end already, for crying out loud. It really needs to finish. It was just so long, man. It's a fantastic uh, bit of work. All I do know is that the next film that I'm going to be reviewing will be next week. It will be Burkreischer's The Machine. Now, again, this film gets a 7 out of 10. Not the best, but not the worst out of the franchise. The worst for me, personally, is Fate of the Furious because it started a really long chain of movies that we did not need involving Cypher, it feels like. But it will hopefully come to its conclusion soon, but this is a franchise that really needs to conclude because they've been milking this sucker for way too long. Hopefully, it can make its money back because this movie, as I'm reading, as I'm reading on IMDb and everywhere else I need to read it on, has uh, quite the lengthy budget. It is about three hundred forty million dollars. It is a two-hour and twenty-one minute film. Hopefully, this actually gets what it should in the long term, in the long run. Hopefully, it can really make its money back because it'll be disappointing if it can't. Until next time, folks, this is Scott signing out and transmission.